Bokatov, today's staff is afternoon. Aleph in Gitna's room for Fushlam Hulos, Ben Ruma, and Yosef Zilpin Chaimichal. So the Mishnah had said that when it comes to things which are not clear, um, you cannot collect from the Chasm Shabbatim. In other words, if, if uh, you owe me money, let's say a case of uh, daughters whose father died and they want to get maintenance for, for the rest of their lives if they never get married or until they get married, it's not clear how much they're owed. It's not written down. Or according to Chanin, it's not a fixed amount. So how can a later purchaser uh, from who had, had bought, who had bought things, let's say, from the father before he died or from the estate, how can he protect himself? In other words, if those are previously and you don't know how much it's going to collect, let me just give you a simple example. If you go to the bank and you want a mortgage for your apartment that you're buying here, right? And you want 5 million shekels. And the bank says, okay, we'll assess your house. They send a shamai, right? An assessor. And he praises the house for a million shekels. They're not going to give you 5 million shekels, right? So uh, what are they going to collect from? You say, I need 5 million shekels to buy the house. Okay, but if you don't pay, what are we going to collect from? They don't know what you're going to collect from. Or they say, we have no idea how much the house is worth. Nobody's willing to assess it. So you don't know how much your obligation can be. And that's what happens over here in the Mishnah. <clears throat> in the case we had where a person bought a stolen field, bought a stolen field, and he improved it, there were payrolls. Then the person who was stolen from comes and collects the field, takes the field back from him. Now. The person who had bought the field from the Goslin wants to go to the Goslin and collect from him. I, I, I pay, I, we have a star, a bill of sale. I bought the field from you and I proved it. And these are the payers. What am I, what am I going to get? He'll get a field from the guy. If the guy had other properties that he sold to some other guy later on, fine. But what about the payers? That's not a fixed amount. So the, the later purchaser cannot protect himself. You can't protect yourself. You could say, listen, I'm buying from this guy, and these are the previous liens that are on him. A million shekels here, 500,000 shekels here. He can figure it out. But if it's, if, it's a, if it's an indeterminate amount because it wasn't written down or it's not fixed, how is the guy going to protect himself? I don't know what your obligations are. So Maybe you owe money, uh, an endless amount of money to your daughters. You know. Pardon? And they had treasures then. Yeah, they had appraisers, but how are you going to appraise how much the fruits are going to be worth over a period of time or how many pairs are going to be or how long the girl's going to be before she gets married? There are things. If it's a yeah, the fixed piece of land, yes, that, that, they know how much that's worth, but he doesn't know what other obligations are going to be there. That's the problem over here. So as we say, if the man has money, okay, fine, take it from him. If he has, if he has properties that are in his resource, take whatever you want. If you owe that money. But if you're taking it from other people who bought from him later properties, how are they going to protect themselves? So you can't collect. That's what the mission had said. So the question was yesterday, is it is it because the stuff is not written down? Uh, sometimes it is written down, like in the case of a, of a, of a daughters or a wife, their mezuzah is written down. It's written down that they can collect, but it's only for B'nai Chorin, not for Mishibadu. So the, the writing down doesn't necessarily help. Rav Hanina said, it's because it's not a fixed amount. It's not a fixed amount. How can you protect yourself? If I'm going to go buy a field from somebody, I'm going to give them a million dollars. So I, I know that, oh, if something goes wrong over here, he has other, I can collect uh, from other properties. Let's say this field is stolen. It's not really his. You know, he sells something which isn't his. What am I going to go after? So I could say I'm going to go after this and this and this. He has another, he has another million dollars of assets that I can go after. But if I if I can't, I don't know what his obligations are because let's say he let's say he lent money to somebody without a shout, not known to me. How am I going to protect myself from that? 
So therefore, we say you cannot collect uh, for things like that from the chasim shibadim because otherwise nobody will lend, nobody will do do business that way. Why would I lend money to somebody who may have endless obligations to some previous wives that he had, and I don't know how much it's going to be, or or he had some uh, outstanding loans that are not written down. So for you that that's the problem. So you, so for those things. Because of those things that aren't written down, you can't protect yourself from those things. So therefore, we said that you can't collect from the chasmadim. It's not fair to those people. If I, if if uh, those people, if he had uh, obligations and he sold stuff to other people, the other people who sold stuff and written down, they see what his obligations are. You can't come and say somebody can't come, a wife can't come later on and say, well, you owe me for uh, fifty years of food. Or uh, some guy says. Uh, he lent me some money in shul. He lent me once a million dollars. Give me that. I wasn't written down. How can I protect myself? So you can't collect from people like that. Tashma, so we're trying to prove over here, is it dafka ksuvim or Rukhanina said because it's not a fixed amount. So the question was, does Rukhanina require both a fixed amount and written down or, or just one or the other? Tashma, or just or just a fixed amount. Tashma, ditmar, misham The law is like this. If a man, the rabbis made at the Kona, then when a man dies, who gets his assets? Only the boys. However, they said that one-tenth of the assets of all his, his estate should go to each girl for her dowry. Daughter's not married, I guess 10%. So let's say a man died and he left two daughters and a son. Now the son gets everything. Son gets the Usha, but each girl gets 10% of the dowry when she uh, uh, of the assets as a dowry when she gets married. One, the first girl was getting married and she took a tenth of the, of the assets. The second girl wasn't married yet. She was only 12 or whatever. By the time she wanted to get married, the son died. And when the son died, he had no other ass. He had no other children. It was just the two girls and the son. The son gets everything. But if the son died and there were no, and there was nobody else in the family, the girls inherit like we're going to have in the parish this week. No stuff, right? They get it. So now the question is, so who are these two girls are going to split it? But wait, the first girl already got 10% of the assets for her dowry. Should the second girl get her 10% too before they split it? So Amr Abiy Al-Khanan, Amr Too bad, she forfeited her share because uh, she's going to get half the assets anyway, right? She's going to get half of the remaining. She doesn't have to take 10% first and then split it. She's going to get half of whatever's left there anyway. That's good enough. We said for Parnosa, that's, this is for her dowry. Uh, you take even from the chasim shubadim, even though you don't take from mazonos for sustenance, for maintenance, for food. You don't take from the chasim shubadim, as we said, because it's not a fixed amount, and it's not a it's not written down to collect from the chasim shubadim. But from nasi, you take out. Why should she forfeit that? You even take out from the chasim shubadim, as you even take it out from assets that the father sold subsequently to other people. You could, you, she could take her dowry from that because her dowry was like a guaranteed. A guaranteed uh, part of uh, of uh, her father's estate. Batam Shnibitra, Bat Parnasa, the Megat's Kaisa. Now, wait a minute. You say Parnasa, you take out from the Chasim Shibadim, even from assets that the father sold. He said, yes, there's a child if he gave it. Is that the same? But at least if he sold it, it's certainly the Chasim Shibadim. But Parnasa, the Megat's Kaisa, but Parnasa is not written down, It's but it's a fixed amount. You know, it's one it's one tenth of his assets. The Kamotzin, you take it out to see. You see over here, the Chorah that Rav Hanina holds all it has to do is be fixed. 
question is, Rav Chini says, if it's a fixed amount, does it need to be fixed and written down? Here, Lachar, you see that it's fixed, if it's fixed, even though it's not written down. So no, shiny parnos, keeping this, I call since everybody knows about it, come on, if it's a zipper written down. In other words, it's well known that when a man dies, each daughter gets 10% of the assets. If there's 10 daughters, they take the whole thing, basically, except, you know, they only take 10% of what's left. The son gets a little bit, but basically get 10%. So in these two cases, in this, in a regular case here, if a man died and left the son and two daughters, each daughter would take 10% of the assets and the other 80% would go to the son as, as his Yerusha. So over here, it's as if it's written down. Okay, another proof. Mason, what happened in a case like this? A woman had a daughter from a previous marriage. Okay, she gets married to Ruben now and Ruben's not obligated to feed that daughter. It's not his child. But she makes notes and says, listen, I'm getting married in a condition that you're going to support this child, let's say, for five years. You're going to give her me. Okay, fine. Then he divorces her, and she marries Shimon, another guy, not related. Marries another guy, Shimon. And she makes the same deal with him. I want you to support for five years. Now, they each have a deal. Even though the first guy divorced, he has to, he has to support the child for five years. So what they do is one one of the two gives food, let's say, for five years, and the other one gives money. She can't, can only eat so much, right? It's, it's whatever her whatever her allowance is for eating. Points that both have to pay. Mesu, right? Now, let's say those two guys die, but they only they get his their own daughters. In other words, let's say Reuben and Shimon all said their own children with this lady. They only get in chasm meaning like we said, where does Mazonos come from? You don't know how much it's going to be. But she was part of a deal, right? This wasn't, well, he wasn't feeding her. He was feeding this stepdaughter. Each of one of them, Reuben and Shimon, each feeding their stepdaughter as part of a deal. It's a separate agreement. It wasn't part of the regular ksuba. And she gets, it's like a loan. Make a special deal. You're going to, I'm marrying you on the condition you're going to give, uh, uh, you're going to support the shul for five years. Whatever it was, that's a separate deal. It's not part of the uh, regular ksuba. So what do you see over here? Over here also, you see that even though it's not written down, it's not written down, but it's a fixed amount. That, that's all you need. You don't need it to be written down. That shows that Rechini holds all has to be fixed amount. In each case, this lady who got married, she wasn't stupid. She made a Kenyan with Reuben, made a Kenyan with Shimo. Rashilin's made a Kenyan, and any Kenyan is made to be written down too, so they write it down. Tosa says, no, it's even stronger, because writing down by Iksuba doesn't mean anything. He's still only collecting the Chasmei Chornos we had before. So Tosa says a Kenyan is stronger than, than the written down. So you can't prove from these cases because it's as if it's written down. So that's the case. Uh, so what do you mean? If you say you made a Kenyan, so maybe she had a Kenyan for his own daughters too. What's the deal that only, only her daughter, the stepdaughter gets paid? What about, what about the uh, daughters themselves of Reuben and Shimon? They should also be able to collect from the Chassam Shubatim. Uh, that's made a Kenyan for the stepdaughter, not for his own daughters in each case. Mike, how is that a definite thing? Why would you say that the, his own daughters, their own daughters, were Shimon's own daughters, all the from the Chassamei Chorim. But, but the uh, stepdaughter gets from the Chassamei Shabbatim, you know, why? Because he made a king for this, not for that. Why would you say it's definitely? Because the stepdaughter who was there at the time that the mother got married, she got married to Reuben and Shimon each when she had a stepdaughter. She already had the daughter. She was there behind the Kenyan. They made a Kenyan there at that time. Bito, his daughter, his own daughter came later after they were married, obviously. He didn't, he didn't, have, the, he didn't have his own daughter when he married this woman. So what do you mean? Let's say Ruvain married this woman who had a daughter already. So there's a stepdaughter. 
they had a child. Then Reuben divorced the woman, divorced her, and then remarried her. She, he wasn't a Kohen, married her again. So, so the, when he married her again, there was both the stepdaughter and his own daughter. So they could have both been a Kenyan there too. It's not because at the time of the marriage, this girl wasn't there. She could have been there if he took her back after divorcing her. Ellis is the reason the Bita denied Bess and Kachla, his own daughter who eats with the Tanai Bess, that's part of the Ksuba, the agreement. Lomahana Lakin, Yakin doesn't help. Basishto, the lab with Tanai Bess and Kachla, the stepdaughter who he's not obligated to feed, it's not his own daughter. She's not eating because of the Tanai Bess like a, like a, a Ksuba. Mahana Lakin, Yakin helps. Just because there's a Tanai Bess and she's worse off. In other words, his own daughter who eats with the Tanai Bess, then the Kenyan doesn't help for her. <laughs> the stepdaughter who doesn't eat because of the ksuba the tanai bezin, there, there the Kenyan does help. Why should why should the fact that there's a tanai bezin that he's obligated to feed his own daughter be any worse off if there's a Kenyan for both of them? Elavito kiven to the tanai bezin The reason is this: since his own daughter he has to feed because of the tanai bezin, which is effectively part of the ksuba. Amos right the assumption is maybe he set aside money for her. In other words, he has a stepdaughter who he's obligated to pay for five years. And the other guy's also for five years. But his own daughter, even though it's a Tanai Bezin, the assumption is since he has a part of the exhibit, it's a sign he has a separate bank account that he set up for, it's in Switzerland or wherever they keep money these days, right? He set up a separate account for her, so we assume that, and that's why <coughs> she cannot collect from the Chassim Mishibad. Okay, so we weren't able to prove so far, does Rav Hanin all that has to be fixed in order for you to be able to collect from the Chassim Mishibad or only written down? Tashma, Amrav Nassim. Amosai, when is all this true? When is all this true? Is what all this true? That you don't know the amount. We said the same is true for a daughter or a wife collecting mizonos, or for the case we said with a gazon. Remember, what's the case of a gazon? A guy stole a field, and he sold it to number one. Sold it to man number one. And now the, the owner of the field, who was stolen from, comes and collects field number one. Now the guy, it comes from number one. Now number one, what is he going to do? He's going to go to... He's going to go to back to the gospel and say, you know, you owe me the field. We have a written down star. Okay. The guy says, I don't have anything yet, but you have other fields that you sold subsequently. Let me go after them. I'm, I'm the first, right? If I bought my field first and you, and you sold another field to somebody else, I'm entitled to this one first. I have a prior lien. Okay. When do you say, so what do we say? You can only collect the field you can get, but the payrolls, all the produce, we don't know how much it is. It's not written down, et cetera. When is that that he cannot collect for the fruits except from the chasmicham? If the gazlan has assets in his possession, sure, you could take that for the fruits too. But if he doesn't, to go after the gazlan's second purchaser, the guy who bought from some other field, that's only, you can't do that. That's only when the second guy, there's the second purchaser of the gazlan. The gazlan sold the one field that was a stolen field, right? And it was taken away from him. So the Nigzal now goes to the Goslin. The Goslin says, I don't have any assets, but I have another field that I sold to, to some other guy, to number two, go after that. When do you say that he can't go after that for payrolls? That's only if the second guy, the second purchaser bought before the first guy, the guy who bought the stone field, had his fruits grown. Let's say the first guy who bought the stolen field he grew his produce and it was all fully grown and he had $10,000 worth of fruits there. And then the Goslin sold another field to number two subsequently. Then the first guy, the first number one, 
can go after the fruits too, even from the second guy, because he had his assets on the ground. The fruits were there before the second guy bought from the Gazlan, before the second guy bought a piece of land from the Gazlan. If his, if his improvement, his fruits grew before the second guy bought it, then you can even collect from the reason has nothing to do with written down or or cuts of the reason why he can't collect is because he wasn't there, he wasn't there first. So simple question of lean. How do how do the liens work? If I bought something first, if there were five guys, I bought something, you bought something, one, two, three, four, five, the first guy has the prior lien because he 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 bought it first. And therefore, he, in other words, what's obligated to him is not only the field, but fields taken away. I'll take the second field that you had that was sold, not the third, the fourth, the fifth. Okay, the fifth guy who bought, you take his first because the fifth guy could say, the fourth guy and the third, second, third, fourth guy, they go after him. When we bought, you still had that property available. That's how Rashi learns. Tosus learns that a little bit differently. Tosus says that um, that it's not, that, that it is Ksuvim. In other words, if my produce grew, if I'm the number one who bought the stolen field, my produce grew by the time the second guy bought it, and you know how much produce was there. That, that was, it was there on the ground. $10,000 worth of fruits before the second guy. So he learns this is like Ksuvim. That's how Tosus learns. Rashi is not Ksuvim or Ksuvim. So the Gemara says, according to Rashi, there's three opinions now. One says the problem is it's not written down. Like we don't know, you know, it's not written down. So if it's not written down, people can't protect themselves. Chanina uh, says, because it's super, it's not a fixed amount. And if it's not a fixed amount, people can't protect themselves. If you were to say that a man, that a, a girl who needs Mazonos for years and years and years, who would ever do a deal with somebody? Why would I lend money to a guy or, or uh, buy something from him if he has a prior obligation that's unknown? It's, it, we don't know how much it's going to be, right? The, the bank is not going to give you a loan for your house, even if it's a certain right value, if they know that you owe money to 20 other people. And, and we don't even know how much that money that is. You owe money to the mafia. You owe money for things that can't be assessed right now. Nobody's going to do that. So he says, Like the mission said, you don't take for payrolls for a girl or for improvement of the field if the first field was bought, bought, uh, bought from a goslin. Right, uh, they take an olam, they take them because it'll be impossible. It's not written down. So, you see, the first opinion is the Bryce says, like the mission didn't say the reason, the mission says take an olam. Here he says, What's the take an olam? Because it's not written down, it's not written down. People don't know about it, so they don't know. Uh, I know, I know when I buy a field from you, I buy a house from you, I know what your obligations are. You sold two other fields. Right, you had two other fields that were sold, each for a million dollars. So I know those are your obligations, but I don't know. And, and those guys have priority to me, but I don't know about payrolls or loans that you made that weren't written down or things like that. So if it's not written down, I don't know. He says, what is even if it's written down, they're not, there's no fixed amount. The key is that it's not fixed amount. So according to Rashi, there's three reasons why we say this. One is, some say because it's not written down. One says because it's not fixed amount. That's for Panina. And now we have another opinion because at the time that your payrolls grew, somebody had already bought the other field. If your payrolls grew before the other guy bought the field, then it's different. So there's three reasons here. According to Tosfos, this the Suvim is the reason for the Kadim. Uh, that if, if if you were if your fruits grew before the second guy bought the land from the Gazlan, so then there was a fixed amount. You knew how much it was. Uh, when 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 he bought it, he knew that there was a fixed obligation. 
Yeah, but it, it's it's hard to know. It's hard to know. You don't know how much it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, but they don't know that. It's not a fixed amount. The guy doesn't know. He doesn't know how to protect himself. You go to you 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 know how much a field went for. You know how much, there's a star. It's written down. It's registered today. They know what your obligations are, right? They that's how things are done today. They know if you have any outstanding liens. You know. You go to get a loan from the bank and you say, I don't have any outstanding loans on the property. They know what's outstanding. They can, it's registered. They know what your obligations are. But things that are going to grow, fruits and improvement, who knows what it's going to be worth? Depends what you plant. I mean, there's a million different variables. So there's no way to know. The Mishnah said, if a man finds, if I find the wallet outside and I come into the shul and I say, oh, anybody lose their wallet? I say, oh, yeah, great. Thank you very much. It was $1,000 in there. I said, no, there was only $5 in there. So what's the deal? Do you have to swear? Uh, we know what, what shvua do you do in Midaraisa? The shvua is because there's different shvuas, but one of the shvuas for 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 a, a for a claimant and the defendant, let's say, um, is uh mixas. If I uh, you say I owe you hundred dollars and I say I only owe you fifty, so I gotta swear, I admit that I owe you fifty. The other fifty I have to swear that I don't owe you, that I paid you back already, I don't owe the money. Right, that's the money mixes. But over here, we said you find an item, you don't have to swear, otherwise, nobody will return an item, right? That shows Aveda. So, variations. He says, Listen, you found the claimant says, You found two of my purses, right? They were tied together. I only found one. Nishba, he has to swear it's us, but he just found it. He found it. The that goes against our Mishnah. Mishnah says, for you know, if somebody finds something, they'll claim yes. So there's a Shiloh over here. Maybe did he turn it in or did the other guy see it? The guy walks into shul with one purse and says, hey, that's my purse. I, it was tied to another one. You found it. The guy says, no, I only found one. So he still has to make a shvua. Motive and mix us. You found two of my oxen. The says, no, that's only one. He doesn't have to swear. Anonishma. Why? My time is because oxen can separate from one another. You know, they pull themselves apart. So the guru guy makes the claim, says, you have to, you must have found my other ox too. Not necessarily. Maybe they weren't there anymore. He doesn't have a tight, what we call a tiny bari, a definite claim. He suspects, you know, I, that's my that's my ox. Where's the other one? I don't know. I didn't find it. The other one wasn't there. Okay, so you don't really have much of a claim. But Kisan Lomanasquidadi, but purses don't separate from one another. So therefore. When you say you have one purse, and I say there were two, so it's more, I have more of a definite claim that the purses didn't separate from one another. Now somebody else could have taken them apart too before, didn't find any money and threw one away or whatever, we don't know. But it's more of a definite claim. So let's say he says, you found two of my oxen. Paloma, the guy says, yeah, admit, yeah, there were two. Matsasi, I found them. I returned one of them to you. Then I raised an issue, but that is one of them, because now, even though even though the claimant doesn't know for sure that the oxen were not separated, but the person, the finder, admits that he found two, but he says, I returned one. So in all these cases, Rabbi Yitzchak says, you have to make a shvus, what it makes us. What about our Mishnah? He doesn't hold up our Mishnah, which says that if you find something, you don't have to make a shvur because otherwise nobody's going to return anything. So says, there are exceptions to the rule. It depends. It depends. The Tanya. Sometimes 
you swear even though you're motor yourself. There's no claim against you. What's the standard case of motor mixus? You claim I owe you $100. Let's say I admit that I owe you only $25, right? I owe you $25. $75, I paid you back already. And I owe you the other $25. That's motor mixus. Let's just sometimes you swear even when the other guy didn't have a claim. Says Kate said, Motor you know, your father, you're a Yassim now, but your father lent me $100 once. The Halta Prasman, I paid him back already 75, half, or let's just make it simple so we understand what the shvur is on. I paid him back 75, I only owe him 25. I raise an ishma, I have to swear. Now, you didn't claim anything from me. I admit it. I came to you and I said, you know what? Your father lent me $100, paid him back 75. You have to swear on the other 25. I raise an ishba. says no. If there was no claim, it's like you know, it's like I'm returning your lost item. I come to this kid. He's sitting shiva there. He doesn't know anything. And I say, by the way, I still owe your father twenty five dollars because he lent me a hundred. I paid him back seventy five. The kid didn't know anything. So that's like I'm returning a lost item. Chum say you don't have to swear at all there. But Blazmanakim says you do. So he says this is like a case of. But this is like a motive and mixus. In other words, normally motive makes us a very clear thing. You owe me, you owe me hundred dollars, and I say I only owe you twenty-five. I paid you back some. That's motive and makes us. Mesha Vedas, I find your wallet in the shul and outside the shul. I come in there and then I say, missing something? I'm sorry. This is what I found. I don't have to swear at all. But here, if you says certain cases, you do have to swear, even when you found the item, when the claimant has a pretty good claim, there were two persons there together, or you admitted you found the two oxen, I returned one. That's motor mixes too. Why isn't it? Why don't you say if you find an item, you don't have to swear because of Takanas, uh, what we call Takanas Hashabim, Tikana Olam, for the betterment of sight, otherwise nobody's going to return anything. He says, no. He goes like a blessing Yaakov and says, sometimes even on your own claim, where nobody claimed anything against you, you still have to swear. But blessing Yaakov, blessing Meshav Veda, the same question we asked in Rabbi like he doesn't know Meshav Veda's Pot from swearing. I'm a lay, I'm a rab, the tone cotton. What happened here is, yes, if you just returned an item and I walked into shore and said, anybody lost this item? I don't have to make a shvur there. Over here, speaking about where there was a claim against him, but a child, it was a child that did it, an underbar mitzvah kid. The tone of cotton, this is cotton, meat, it was child's pun doesn't mean anything. Kid doesn't know anything. You don't have to swear for a claim of a chavshet of a cotton. says, I'll tell you what, my cotton guttle. I'll tell you what, we, mean, we don't really mean a cotton underbar mitzvah. I mean, he's a guttle, he's bar mitzvah. Because we said when it comes to his father's business, he's like cotton. He doesn't know what his father did. So if he says, hey, hey, didn't my father lend you money? Even though he's bar mitzvah already, but what does he know? So that's not such a strong claim. So why do you call that tainus atzmo? Sometimes you swear on your own claim. When this guy, when this kid claimed against you, that's not that's not tainus atzmo, tainus acheru. The kid's bar mitzvah and he's saying you owe me money. It's a time, it's a claim somebody else, and he admitted. So it's cool Every claim is like that. One guy claims and the other guy admits to some of it. Every claim is like that. Why do you say why do you call that a Das Asmo? And why would he say Pamim? Sometimes you swear on Tanis Asmo. You always swear. If if if, if number one, if person number one says number two, you owe me hundred dollars, and the other guy says I only owe you 25, I paid you back 75. That's a classic case of a claimant and a Denier, call him a defendant, and uh, and he has to make a shvuz daraisa. It's always The truth is, we are speaking about the claim of a katan, of a child, and the claim of if it's an adult, then it's a valid claim. Of course, uh, why would you say what? Everybody should say mother mix us. Even the rabbana would say that's mother mix us. 
Over here, we're speaking about where the claim is like a lousy claim. It's a claim of a child, okay? Which is similar, this is a hard comparison to what we started with Rav Yitzchak. I found two persons outside, and you say, I, I, found, I found one person, and the guy says, no, there were two persons there. Two persons there. So it's more of a mixus. Isn't it? A, I, I found it. Fine, you know, I, I'm a nice guy. I came in and claimed. He says, yeah, but, but I know there were two there, so I have a pretty strong claim. Or you, I found an ox, and you say, uh, you know, there were two oxen there. And you admit it. Well, I, there were two. There were two, but I gave you back one. So in that place, it's, it's a body claim. He admits that he found two. Still, he's admitting. Is he coming on himself? The way Rosh, the Pashim shot is that he walked in and he says, hey, I found an ox here. And somebody said, uh, no, there were two. It's okay, there were two. There were two, but I gave you back one already. So it's, is, he, is he coming himself or is there first a claim against him? Here we're talking about there was a claim against him. The child claimed against him. Well, what's the Shiloh over here? The Shiloh over here is when you say motive and mix us, meaning that famous Gemara we have in many places in Shas. Why did the Torah say, listen, if a guy comes and says to me, and I say, I never borrowed any money from you. I never saw you before. What's the deal? I don't have to swear. You're crazy. I never, I don't need anything. Right? There's what we call Shavuos Hesus with Rabbanan. But Midarai, you don't have to swear. You only have to swear. You don't have to swear. If I admit part of it, why is that? Rabbi can be dumb. Rabbi says, May Mamma told me, why did the Torah say that a Mamma says to swear? I wouldn't have the chutzpah to lie. If I say I don't know you anything, it's the truth. Because I wouldn't have the chutzpah to deny the whole thing. In general, normal people wouldn't have the chutzpah to lie, deny a whole claim. He would really deny the whole thing, but he can't because he wouldn't have the chutzpah like that. I wouldn't have the chutzpah. You lent me money. You were a nice guy. You lent me money when I was in need. I wouldn't have the chutzpah to deny the whole thing. Right? So therefore, I should admit the whole thing. So I'm not really, I, I don't have the chutzpah to lie. So I'm not really a liar. But I don't want to admit the whole thing. Because if I admit the whole thing, I'm going to have to pay you right now. I don't have the money. The reason I'm not I'm pushing you off. I want to gain time over here. I'm just pushing up. Sober, I figured, okay, so I'll say that I don't, know, I don't know you that much. I only owe you a little bit. I don't know you the whole thing. I'm trying to gain time over here. Hashem said, I should be motivated for the whole thing. In other words, we're assuming over here when Amai says, I owe me $100, and I say, I only need 25 I paid you back 75 we're assuming that he does owe him the money. Why? Because if he didn't owe him the money, he would just deny the whole thing. And if he denied the whole thing, he would be telling the truth because the guy wouldn't have the chutzpah. So why is he admitting to part of it? Because he really owes him the money, but he, does, he doesn't have the chutzpah to lie. So he must owe, he doesn't have the chutzpah to lie if he knows the guy lent him money. So he really owes him the money. So why isn't he moaning the whole thing? Because he doesn't have the money now. He's trying to buy time. So he says, okay, I owe you some, I don't owe you the whole thing. So the Chacham Hashem said, make a shvua, make a shvua, so you should be moaning. Bless him, Yaakov, Sabah, Loshna, Beloshna, Beloshna, Beloshna. He didn't have the chutzpah to lie to him or to his son, even to his young son. He wouldn't have the chutzpah to lie. And therefore, this is a case of moaning mixes in the Torah. He wouldn't have the chutzpah to lie. Enameyas, Vilkachlav, Meshav, this is not a case of Meshav, Meshav Veda is like a case where a guy could say, I don't have to show up here at all. I don't owe you anything. You didn't do me a favor. I found this on the street. So it's not a Meshav. It's not returning Veda. He, he wouldn't have a chutzpah when there's a claim against him. Even the claim of a child, it's a valid claim because the guy wouldn't have a chutzpah. Even if a kid, a six-year-old kid at the Shiva says, hey, didn't you, didn't I saw my father give you $100 last week? He wouldn't have a chutzpah because 
you know, you know it's true. You know that the father lent you money. Therefore, this is not Meshiva Beda, it's mixes Rabban Sabri, Bohud and Mesh. He wouldn't have a close to lie to the father of no Mayas, but to the son he would lie, whether it's the son's an older son or else he will lie. And since he's not Mayas, Meshiva Beda, since he's not Mayas and he says, What? No, I owe you $50 or I owe you, I owe you $25, he's like he's returning a lost item because if he wanted to lie, he could have denied the whole thing. Or he could have just shut up and not returned the item. You know, just walk by the item in the street and not return it. So therefore, the, the Shiloh here is, yes, the Mishnah said that the Meshav Aveda doesn't have to make a Shvua. And they take an olam, otherwise people are going to return. The question of is this Meshav Aveda or not? Is this Meshav Aveda? Both in the case that we started with the Yitzchak, where he said there were two, uh, find, the guy found, uh, guy came in with a purse, and he says, no, there were two here. Well, I only found one. Is that Meshav Aveda or not? He wouldn't have the chutzpah to lie Right? Is that like Mesa Veda? The guy made a claim against him. If you let he just showed up, it's a little bit difficult to compare, so difficult. If there are cases where the guy just showed up, so he's not denying anything, he just he walked in himself. Why shouldn't that be Mesa Veda? Rav Lozmanyak was speaking about there was a claim against him, it was a claim of a katan. He says, another one of a claim of a katan, the claim of the father wouldn't have the chutzpah lie. So therefore, he can't deny the whole thing. And he wouldn't have the chutzpah lie to the to the person who lent him the money or to his son. And therefore, uh, when he admits the part of it, he's effectively the mother of the us. He has to make a shvua. Whereas the chacham say no, he would have the chutzpah to lie. It, he didn't leave the kid didn't lend him the money. The father did, so he could lie to the kid. Since he didn't lie, it's like he's just returning a lost item, and therefore you believe him without having to make a shvua. That's the machlokes over here. Why, if he would lie a little bit about denying the money, isn't he chashit? So why do you believe his shvua anyway? According to Blessed Yaakov, the answer is that he's not really lying. He really, he owes him the money. He missed that he owes him the money, some of it. And the rest of the money, he's just trying to push him off because he's trying to buy time, but he's not really a liar. I'll pick him the mission tomorrow. Mr. Shem Dafnanda, he's having an easy fast.